gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss B-Sides. B-Sides, the first official New Year's B-Sides, even though there's some episodes that were already released. This is the first one that's actually recorded in the new year. That's, that's exciting. Right. 24, everybody. Woo! We're going to kick it off with Wolverine number 52, which is part two of the Crunch Conundrum. Which is filled with a lot of uh, gobbledygook or techno babble. Is that what they call it in Star Trek? Yeah. Well, and uh, Wolverine even calls it techno babble. He does at some point. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what they would write in the Star Trek scripts? Like, Data says techno babble, and then somebody else would come in and fill out the techno babble. There probably was an authority on techno babble. Yeah. <laughs> Reasons for plot to continue. Right. Jordy says techno babble. Picard says, make it so. I would imagine that most of the writers of the show knew the techno babble, though. I don't know. I, I, I mean, there's probably like fill-in artists who are like, I don't know. But I think most of the time, you, when you have your like showrunners writing the show or you, you're just regulars, they would know parts of the techno babble. There was probably a techno babble consultant, though. Yeah. Was, uh, let's, let's, let's change this to that. Exactly, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought I'd seen an interview with one of the cast members that said the script would literally say insert techno babble here. And then not on the day, but later on, there was probably a I don't know, probably a, a expert on Star Trek techno babble. How what is the proper way to use tachyon? Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, so you could flood the chambers with tachyon emitters and that would solve all the problems. What was their I, other little buzzword? Um, they're always talking about the, uh, uh, the shields. Let's see. What is the, uh, the warp core? Yeah. But like, like, yeah, positronic tachyon. I feel like there was one more term that they would throw into. They use the term nano quite a lot. Nano. Yeah. Uh, venting the plasma coils. Plasma coils. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I was watching uh, an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, kind of out of context, and it was just Jordy saying a bunch of gobbledygook, and then that was the solution to the problem. And I'm like, huh, it was a simpler time back then. <laughs> that is frequently the similar uh, the solution to the problem. <laughs> a bunch of well, I mean, it's nice when it feels like it makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's like some sort of plot to it. But sometimes, yeah, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. And I think for the most part, you know, watching Star Trek The Next Generation, when they get to those bits, you're like, yeah, sure, of course this makes sense. But if you just watch the clip, you're like, none of this makes any sense. Right. But anyways. It helps that they act it out and everybody's like jumping in. It's like, well, what if we mm -hmm. let the nanoparticles and then somebody else will jump in and say, yeah, I know where you're headed. We can then use the tachyon emitter. Yeah. Or some, and then somebody would say, but that's not going to work unless yeah. we polarize the blah blah And then finally somebody chimes in and says, if we put it all together, teamwork, man, if we put it all together, this might work. That stuff is fun. Yeah. Good times. Well, anyways, uh, Wolverine number 52, I thought it was uh, an enjoyable issue. It's uh, scripted here by Larry Hama, penciled by Silvestri and Green. Colored by Steve Busilata, lettered by, oh my God, can't read that, Pat Biroso. Broso? Sure. 
Yeah. And the editor is Bob Harris, editor-in-chief's Tom DeFalco. This continues the era of Wolverine where nothing really matters, but it's still fun. Yeah, they're, they may or may not go in time. Well, actually, they do go in time. But there's a moment where somebody's like, we're not going to go into the future, are we? So they're really uh, diving into the whole science fiction and not really worrying about Wolverine's continuity in any other comics. Yeah. It seems like, which is fine. Got done with a run where he was going into Weapon X, the facility, and never really got anywhere with that. Mm-hmm. And, well, I, you know, I think we were, where we left off, he was meaner. But I think we've pretty much dropped that by now. Yeah. Yep. The, yellow suit, to me now. the yellow suit was supposed to be representative of his more ferocious side. but Well, here we have uh, Mystique is on the run from Spiral and she goes to Wolverine to uh, for help. But Spiral tracks them down and the motel room that they're staying in is apparently some sort of uh, techno battle room that allows evil demons to come into the room. It's pretty cool design for the evil demon lady. Yeah. uh, It predates uh, silent Hill feels like it could be a silent Hill monster. It also kind of, I mean, yeah, it's got like the leather straps and everything like that, but it also kind of looks like lady death strike. It does. Yeah. A little bit. It's like a, a a longer, thinner lady death strike without organics, but lots of sort of, uh, leather straps yeah a lot of leather buckles it takes this takes this creature or whatever a long time to put this outfit on for sure <laughs> it's uh is this anime inspired i don't know I, sure feels like it's anime inspired um spiral talks about the cardinal locust can be traced there are too many weak points here so like you said in the last issue i think wolverine says the word spiral and then spiral shows up and mystique's like oh my god but it actually turns out that spiral is trying to stop this leather creature well i don't really know what is going on here yeah. to be honest i mean it's it's a fun ride but i'm i'm going to wait until the next issue to make any guesses at what's going on cuz uh it doesn't really go anywhere. Well, so uh, they all join. F- it goes somewhere, but it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, they all join forces. The Well, Mystique kind of uh, hits the dash, I guess. But uh, Mystique, sorry, uh, Spiral and Wolverine start working on this creature, slicing it and, and getting it to basically shove back into um, a picture. Painting picture. Painting, yep. And uh, then we cut to LCD and Albert and the... Uh, the, the the werewolf guy what was that the hunter of darkness or something like that hunter in darkness i think hunter in darkness uh they're using the stolen blackbird that albert has jubilees down below it's not a blackbird it's just a stealth bomber oh i mean it's not like the x-men's blackbird it isn't uh is a stealth bomber i thought a stealth bomber was always a blackbird is that not true no the blackbird's like an sr-71 lockheed what is this this is just a, a a stealth bomber that Albert stole. It's not an SR seventy one. No, no, no. Oh, okay, they're much different. I mean, aside from both being black. Well, I thought that the uh, the modifications were made by Albert, and that's why it doesn't look exactly the same. But we'd have to look back, and I'm not going to. But there was a stealth I, bomber plot point about stealth bombers. Um, I know. Well, the SR seventy one Blackbird. 
is that actually a stealth bomber or did they modify it so that it's a stealth bomber? I don't think it's a stealth. It's just the SR-71. Wasn't that also the Cobra Raven? Yeah, totally. Okay. Such so a cool ship. It's a different thing. Yeah. Two okay. two different ships entirely. But they're both black. But they're both black. Okay. Did you ever have the Cobra Raven? I still do. Oh, man. I even have the box and it says like $25 from Ames. It was... It. Was it on clearance? I think that was actually the regular price, wasn't it? Maybe. Uh, it doesn't show that it's on clearance, but it could have been. Mm-hmm. I don't because I remember when I was a a wee lad, I went into. It might actually be nine ninety nine. I'd have to run downstairs and look. Well, I went to a a store, a Kmart, a Shopco, an Ames, not a Walmart, not a Target, but a department store. Did they have Walmart back then? I don't know. Probably. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, they had they had one, and I believe it was 1999, and I, I, I was begging my parents because it's twenty dollars. I mean, it's not like the most expensive thing, but still pretty expensive. What is twenty dollars today? Or twenty dollars then today? Was it like thirty dollars? <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, I don't know. But they they didn't buy it for me. That was very sad. It is sad. So. I love you that too. Thing. Could still have a Cobra Raven. I mean, I'm an adult now that makes money, so I could just buy one off eBay, but it's not that's the same. True. But you'd end up paying too much for it. Yeah, but I could. I mean, it's a it's a thing that's within my grasp. I'm just choosing at our grasp. At some point, you really you realize that, and it kind of kind of diminishes collectability. Exactly. The reason you wanted it when you were younger was because you couldn't have it, and now that yeah. you can have kind of whatever you want. Definitely, do, like you said, diminishes the collectability. Still anyway. buying all the things you couldn't have when you were younger, though. <laughs> <Stay>. <laughs> yeah. And that is why I have a basement filled with video game consoles. Yeah. Anyways, uh, LCD says, hey, stop, Albert. I just got the strangest vibes from this from this place. They are flying over the Cloud9 motel where... The uh, the events of Wolverine and Spiral and Mystique are happening. And Jubilee's outside as well. Yep. But apparently whatever the uh, the vibe was is gone. And she's like, well, let's go, Albert. So they fly off. Jubilee's walking towards the hotel because she's coming, I believe, from the mansion. She was, wasn't she at the Coke machine last issue or just outside? Or she saw Jean Grey go into the hotel room? Yeah, but then she came back to the mansion and saw that Jean Grey was there. And she's like, oh, weird. Must have been a shape changer. I'm so happy. I guess I'll go back to the hotel. So she's kind of just walking back and forth between uh, the hotel and the mansion. So it looks like this is a picture of her walking by the mansion. Okay. Uh, But maybe not. Maybe it's the hotel because it also has a similar steeple to the... um, cloud nine motel there so i don't know where she is i think she's at the cloud nine motel she's i don't know why she's walking away from it i don't know either and in in any event she's going to end up right outside the cloud nine motel wherever she is right now yeah i think that that's the cloud nine motel i don't know why she's so far away from it but i think that is the cloud nine motel uh then we cut back inside and uh we get some fun dialogue from Spiral saying, I'm not, I'm not, sanity is simply the denial of chaos. Of course I'm not sane. You can't have multiple temporal existence in a sane universe. And then she uses the TV to fire a laser out into the street. Um, and we get a cool kind of 
bunch of versions of Spiral, and this kind of confirms the speculation that we had from the Longshot Limited series that the the girl hmm. who was named after uh, Ricochet Rita. Yeah, Ricochet Rita. Wow, good memory. <laughs> um, Ricochet Rita is in fact Spiral. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's Ricochet Rita in these versions of Spiral. It definitely looks like it. That I mean, that's the only way, reason I was able to pull the name is based on that imagery. Okay. And then there's an old lady in the foreground who I'm not sure who that is, but... That's probably the Spiral we haven't seen yet. Right. A Spiral of the future, maybe. I think maybe the, the one in the middle is also a Spiral from the future, but I don't know. I'm not too super familiar with iterations of Spiral's costume design, so... I don't know. Yeah, middle spiral feels like current spiral, although slightly altered. Yeah. The other one with a headband seems like it could be past scrappy spiral. In any event, uh, she goes on to talk about the crunch. The The universe began with a big bang. It will end with a crunch. And then she also talks about uh, time shifters, transdimensional tripper, and space-time continuum juggler. And the continuum is hurtling toward the crunch of multiple existences. And for some reason, is this um, is this Gateway or is this just three different aboriginals? These are different versions of Gateway in the same way that we saw different versions of Spiral. Interesting. I wonder if they're going to do more with Gateway. There is a traffic jam in the time stream. Well, Gateway uh, appeared in the last uh, series when Wolverine time traveled, so... Maybe yeah. he's just always there for time travel adventures. He's Wolverine's time travel buddy. Sure. Yeah, sure. What's the crunch? Sounds crispy, says Wolverine. And as she explains the big bang and the crunch, she plunges or she's already got her sword plunged into the TV and a beam shoots out of it. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's not me. I didn't do that. And the beam flies out, the shoots out the hotel window Right at Jubilee, who sees that her shoelace is untied, so she bends over to tie it, and the blast goes right above her and into a box truck. She totally misses it. Weird noise. <laughs> so, a 500-pound bay, Klingon death ray, none of the above? Nice to know that Jubilee's a Star Trek fan. <laughs> of course she is. Although, I don't know, Klingon death ray, maybe she's not a Star Trek fan. She knows what it, she she's enough to know what a Klingon is. Yeah, that's fair. She so retro tech. Uh, Spiral declares that it's an an or an uncertainty nullifier. Something in the future sent it back along the seeker beam and homed in on my sword circuits. Ah, techno babble. Wolverine says, "Whatever you say, darling, it's all psycho babble, right?" Oh, so Larry Hammer changed it from techno babble to psycho babble. I feel like technobabble would be more appropriate. Psychobabble would be like throwing around a bunch of psychologist terms without understanding what they mean, I think. I'm betting he didn't want to use technobabble because it was a Star Trek thing. Maybe. He used another Klingon thing. <laughs> that could be. I don't know. I don't know why he just wouldn't say technobabble or just babble. It's all, I think psychobabble is kind of psychotic babble. Sure. Rather than psychology babble but who knows we'd have to ask larry hama next time we get him get him on the show and interview him well i have beers with him like every month so i'll just ask him next time we're at the bar yeah he usually crashes at my place every so often 
as long as we are in the past in relation to whatever sent that uncertainty nullifier, we're vulnerable. Somebody off panel says, you're not taking us into the future. And Spiral says, it has no meaning where we're going. It's a place where time folds in on itself. Sounds, Sounds like a bar I know in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah. And Wolverine then, is really just here to throw quips, I guess, and, and not wear a shirt. Yeah, and somebody calls him on it at some point and says, why are you quipping all the time? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jubilee's outside and the a hurricane, very Wizard of Oz, starts pulling the, well, going through the hotel, I guess. Mm-hmm. She almost gets sucked into it following Wolverine's motorcycle. Uh, it appears to be sucking things into the motel room and then it turns off just as quickly as it turned off or turned on. She walks inside on the roller skate still. There's nothing inside the motel room. And then there's a voice coming from the closet, I guess. Yep. I, uh, I'm here, sweetie, in the dark, quiet place. And she opens up the door and it's a full page spread of Mojo. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Does she, know, does she know Mojo? Apparently she either has encountered him or has read the files because she says Mojo. Trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think if, if there's been an adventurer with her and Mojo, but she knows who he is. I mean, I guess. She's read the files. Yeah. I mean, this is, an easy, this is an easy file to remember. Big blobby yeah. guy with a the spider chair. Nobody else looks like Mojo. Nope. Elsewhen in the time vortex... The... And I'm sure Mojo is important to the plot, but I think uh, he is only here for something later. No, he's. I think he's. Yeah, he's. In, he, he'll he'll have a a moment he there. Like he uh, he doesn't really do anything in this issue. No, but I think it's crucial to add him to this issue for a reason that will come clear. Yeah. So they're spiraling through uh, Wolverine, Mystique, and Spiral are spiraling through Elsewhen, uh, the time vortex. Uh, sort of like Wizard of Oz when Dorothy's flying through the uh, tornado to Oz. Right. I'm surprised somebody doesn't say we're not in Kansas anymore. Somebody uh, does say we're going back to Kansas, don't they? Doesn't Mojo say that to Jubilee in this issue somewhere? Maybe. Um, There's definitely a Kansas um, reference in one of the issues we read this week. Mystique is on the bed. Uh, Spiral is still on the TV, which is now shooting uh like rocket fuel out of his back it's pretty cool <laughs> it is kind of cool it's like she's riding it like it's a i don't know a vehicle of some kind and wolverine has managed to uh get astride his motorcycle so they've all got a vehicle of sorts is he on his motorcycle oh you mean he gets onto the motorcycle then he's upside down and then we don't really see him but i guess presumably he's on top of his motorcycle he's holding the motorcycle so sure. we don't see him letting go of the motorcycle then we get kind of a neat thing where um, they basically turn into liquid, get pulled through the vortex, and then splat on the ground. Yeah. And then they have to reform out of the splattered liquid into their into their you know normal forms. It's it's kind of neat and trippy. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'd say that ranked pretty uh, high on the list of things I'd uh, I never want to do again. This, this is, Even his uh, motorcycle is forming itself out of liquid. Yeah. Kind of cool. <laughs> so hopefully this motorcycle is uh, used in the next issue. As... I believe it is. I, there's a part that I remember. Okay. 
from with the motorcycle from the next issue. I think it's in the next issue. There's a part that I remember with the motorcycle. I don't know if it's next issue, but it's it's coming up. Well, good plotting by Larry Hama to make sure that all the pieces are are shown. Yeah, man. He's focusing on Wolverine this month because uh, G.I. Joe this month wasn't the hottest. Oh, no. <laughs> it was uh, – they're, they're doing uh, – every, everything G.I. Joe is just kind of – you know. when I used to read G.I. Joe, it, it's very like – I'm very plot-focused and I'm very interested in what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're returning to the, the silent castle where mm-hmm. – the classic silent issue. Yep. Um, but now G.I. Joe's got a ninja force. Yep. And, um, and Cobra's got – a ninja force and it's just like oh this is this is i can't keep i like i just can't keep track of it the way that i used to are you rereading gi joe yeah yeah uh, so it's been a while it's probably been five six years but i i also that's well, probably even been longer than that i went through all of them uh and it definitely has its highs and lows and when it's high it's like this is really good and i want to read the next one and then when it's low you're like oh, i don't even know if i can read this issue <laughs> yeah uh, and my recollection is the silent interlude part two, nowhere near as good as the first one. It's a three-parter where Baroness has been brainwashed by the, and that's kind of cool. Like I like the fact that they brainwashed uh, Baroness with the uh, the chair mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. brainwash machine. I forget what it's called, uh, and she's trying to get, she's trying to brainwash Destro. Mm-hmm. And uh, that 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 stuff is fun. It's just all the ninjas running around and and GI Joe outside of the castle, constantly moving back and forth is kind of boring. Yep. Um, yeah, it's three. I think it might be even be a fourth part. Just wait till you get to the Eco Warriors. You know, I I I had that was I think that the last GI Joe figure I bought was an Eco Warrior, uh, and I got to the point where I was only buying. G.I. Joe's because they came with so much stuff. Right, right. And same here. Eco Warrior had so much stuff. Uh and he's he, he's still kind of, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you bought it as a kid, so it's kind of one of your favorites. But yeah, I'm uh I think I'm almost there. And then uh it yeah, it ends pretty abruptly, if I recall. Um once the Transformers start showing up, that's when I'm gonna start checking out. Well, I was do they the Transformers don't show up in the pages of G.I. Joe proper, do they? They do. I don't remember that. I and mean, then, there's I definitely believe, the four-parter. There's the G.I. Joe Transformers four-parter, but I don't think that takes place in the main continuity. Yeah, I would agree. Or maybe that takes place in Transformers continuity, but not G.I. Joe continuity. Right. Um, but in the pages of G.I. Joe, Transformers will start showing up. Really? Well, I've never read these issues, but I only know them because of the covers. I don't remember that at all, but I, I'll take your word Giant for it. Megatron on the cover and Cobra commander in front of them or something like that. Are you sure that's not like IDW stuff? It becomes, no, it's absolutely the Marvel run. Um, and at some point it becomes in tiny, tiny, uh, titles, GI Joe featuring snake eyes. And it just becomes the snake eyes comic book. Yeah. I see that GI Joe One Forty One is, Oh, GI Joe and the transformers. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't, yeah. G.I. Joe and the Transformers crossover part three. I've never read them, so I don't know. Wow, that's funny. I I read them. I don't remember them, though. I don't remember that's this sweet, cover. They're, they're amazing. <laughs> so I've been reading G.I. Joe alongside the X-Men that we're reading. So, like, I, I don't know. We're in, 
we're in March, I think. So I read the issue of GI Joe, the March issue of GI Joe, to go along with this, just out of curiosity. Uh, out of out of just sheer randomness here, the back page of GI Joe number one forty one, GI Joe and the Transformers, featuring Snake Eyes or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Transformers crossover part three. The back cover is an advertisement for the Tiger Electronics version of the X-Men handheld game, of which I have a reproduction on my wall that I'm looking at. You don't have the original? No. I feel like I, I know I had a Tiger game or two. I had Tiger games when I was younger, but I I didn't have I didn't have the X-Men one. I think the only one I had was I think I had a Castlevania one. I feel like you would have bought the X-Men one. I, I, I probably would have. Well, 1993? No. Maybe you just never saw it. I was too cool for anything in 1993. Oh, okay. Which is, I'm, I'm guessing that's when that, that's when the advertisement is from. So I'm assuming that that's when that was released. Had it have been one year earlier, you know I would have had that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you would never saw it too. I mean, who it's knows? Possible. Who knows what... Well, where were you at this point? Were you uh, were you still in Canton? No, not in 1993. Again, in 1993, I was too cool for anything, right? And I say that ironically. Like, I I don't, comic books and toys and video games are dumb. I'm going <laughs> to smoke cigarettes and hang out with my friends. And then five years later, be like, I need all the comic books and toys. Yeah. So, anyways, where were we? We're in a, uh, we're in a double-page spread where we have a very large kind of technological chasm mm. that our three heroes are just kind of a tiny dot in. So we're seeing this kind of vast wasteland with fire pits. And uh, this is the crunch. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's be so blasé, Wolverine. We are at the end of everything. Uh, we are at the event that makes the rest of our existence meaningless. And Wolverine says, not mine. I still got a box of cigars. I hardly put a dent in. Yeah. Larry Hama's, I think he's writing all the other characters pretty fun. I don't really like the treatment he's giving Wolverine here. I don't mind it. He's just being, he's being the uh, the comic relief because. He shouldn't be the comic relief in his own comic though. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. One of those uh, leather-clad things shows up. Uh, I guess this is a plasma wraith. Yes, Spiral calls it a plasma wraith, and it says, Pastlings, referring to Wolverine, Spiral, and Mystique. Pastlings not directing, involved, or cast in the great work. I will kill, devolve, temporarily dislocate you forever. Uh, she's got a... Um, she's got, like... Uh, a thick, a thick kind of grungy line around her word balloon. Mm-hmm. So, oh, she talks like this or something. Probably. They all spring into action. Uh, the plasma wraith here is doing well, holding them back. Spiral explains that there are worse things than uh, meeting the end of the universe. You could be uh, stuck Outside of time, trapped in null time, as the universe ticks back to the beginning, you'd be moving backwards. And uh, I don't know, it's more techno babble, but it's fun. It's fine. I think the techno babble is fun in this one. It, like it ultimately doesn't mean anything, but it's enjoyable to read. Exactly. It's not. T- 
I feel like if Chris Claremont was writing this, there'd be way more words and you'd be like, okay, come on, let's get on with this. Uh, Larry Hama's doing a really good job of putting goofy techno babble in here, but keeping it pretty short, concise, and then keeping the action going. Wolverine attempts to slice the plasma wraith, but it turns out that her uh, he slices her leg and his he comes out saying, ah, hotter in a blast furnace. That hurt. Hurt, yeah. hurt meat thing? Never hurt for never more. What gives Spyro the other wraith, the one back at the hotel? We chopped up back at the motel, didn't have the thermostat turned up like this one. She explains that this wraith is in its own world and therefore its power is concentrated. And that's when Mojo shows up. Leave those disgusting spine things alone. Yeah, Spiral puts things together at some point. Or no, Mystique does. How'd you know Mojo was behind the scam? And she says the Wraith was babbling movie jargon. Well, you jumped ahead. I did. Mojo is Mystique. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh. Well, in the panel where we're next to Mystique. Oh, yeah. All right. No, I completely missed that. I thought Mojo just showed up. So so that's why I think Mojo was in this issue earlier, is to make you think that this is actually uh, him. Okay. Well, if he well, just showed up for the first time here, you'd be all like, oh, what's Mojo doing here? That's weird. Oh, it must be Mystique. So you're thinking it's two different plot points? No, they're all going to converge into one. Oh, yeah. No, it's all going to converge. Okay. That's funny. The, the, the Plasma Wraith recognizes mojo mm -hmm. yeah says, oh the producer the director the writer the auteur and that takes uh her off guard and uh, wolverine and spiral are able to stop her and slice her in half now while well, she's distracted and confused and then wolverine says slick move mystique how'd you know mojo was behind the scam and mystique changes back from mojo to mystique and says the race with babbling mo movie jargon which is that line that I read about the director, the the directing. Yeah, yeah. Huh, that's funny. I thought that like, it. Mojo showed up, they slashed the wraith, and because they slashed the wraith, that disrupted Mojo's ability to be in this plane. Ah, oh, I made up a whole story in my head. Wow. You like read between the lines. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was all in front of me this whole time. Spiral says Mojo's really done it this time. He's let loose a juggernaut of circumstance that threatens all existence. And the only way to stop it is to get inside the Citadel at the end of the time. But where is the Citadel, little Citadel? Where is the Citadel, darling? We're standing on it. And we zoom out and it's a circular ball in space of technolo technology. It's like a metal planet. Then we cut back to Westchester at the motel. Uh, Mojo chasing after Jubilee and Jubilee's like, I'm out of here. I'm history. Mojo says, nope. he insists, and he slams the door and he brings out his pet, which is on roller fire, fire rollerblades. So I thought it was going to be like a cool Jubilee sort of avatar, mm -hmm. but it's just another one of those wraiths on rollerblades. But this one's got like a, like a spiky head helmet thing with no eyes, mouth or anything. And her name's Absissa, or A-B-C-Issa. I want her wrapped up to take back with us. As you command. The toss of the head, the fun has begun. A loop and a twist and the circle is done. And the uh, Absissa has a chain coming out of its face, <laughs> which is uh, inside of a mask. And they manage to get the chain around Jubilee. 
and they twirl and spin. Everybody spins and they disappear so that they can go to the crunch. But we don't see that. Instead, we cut to Canada, where I think this is where Wolverine was the Weapon X program. I don't know. It's in Canada. It's an abandoned facility. I think it's safe to assume that it's the Weapon X, but there's also like a couple of uh, cooling towers. So it's like a nuclear power plant. So I'm not really sure. I'm not sure either. They don't spell it out. So we might find out next issue or we might not. But there are a couple of uh, indigenous burial grounds on the site. And I think uh, Albert points out that they're probably fake. Mm. And so the hunter in darkness is like really excited because this is where he wanted to go. He's been somehow guiding them to this and he starts digging up a space uh, in the ground near one of the burial sites. Uh, LCD goes and plays with the butterflies or the butterflies because she doesn't want to get her dress queen or she wants to keep her dress queen. Hmm. There's a, some Quoos missiles that LCD thinks Albert has uh, upgraded into nukes. And he says, nope, they're antimatter implosion initiator. Sure. But they don't use them this issue, but I'm assuming they'll use them next issue. Probably use them to implode some antimatter. Uh, Albert and the Hunter in Darkness are kind of looking around. LCD sees the butterflies, uh, but then Albert's like, come here, you got to see this. It's a skeleton. And LCD is like, there's a bunch of skeletons. And they're like, not like this one. It's got adamantium claws. And we see that they have dug up a skeletal hand with adamantium claws. That looks like Wolverines. I mean, you got to assume when we say adamantium claws, we're in the era where there's only Wolverine. Well, there's Cyber. Now, cyber is like brand new. <laughs> and I don't know if we're like in sync with when those Marvel Comics presents are coming out with when what we're reading. I'm just saying. And he's got like, doesn't he have like fingernails though? Or does he have actual claws? Ah, he's got fingernails. I don't know. But Sabretooth also refers to his claws as, uh, well, his fingernails as claws and they're just fingernails. Yeah. So I don't know. Irregardlessly. I don't see him yet. <laughs> Um. Yeah, so that's the see, end of that issue. Fun romp. Curious to see where this is going. Uh, this takes us to War and Peace is part two of three, featuring the uh, the Incredible Hulk number 391. Uh, we covered the first one, which didn't feature X-Factor, except at the end. Then this one does feature X-Factor. Cool. So Larry David's writing this, and that's... Peter David. Not Larry David, Peter David. Um, Amazing, is Larry David. I know, right? <laughs> what a crossover. Um, who is Keown and... Uh, Farmer's an inker. T- Todd Farmer? Dale Keown and... Uh, I don't know who Farmer is, but uh, they're they're the team on Hulk right now. Well, the art in this issue, uh, I, I dug. I really liked it. Yeah, Dale Keown's pretty good. Yeah. Um, he would later join Image with everybody else. He did uh, Pit. Okay, sure. Do you recall Pit? I am aware of it. I've never read it. Isn't there a show too? Oh, I have no idea. It's, I always felt like it was just a different version of the Hulk. Yeah. Sort of a more monster version of the Hulk. So but. the Hulk is operating with, I think, Freedom Fighters? He's with this group called the Pantheon. Um, and they are, yes, they are essentially freedom fighters who uh, 
they're kind of a shady organization that claims to help uh, the good of people right? and, and not governments. And, and the, so the government here, whom like, I don't remember who it is. It's probably some made up government. Uh, I think it's made up government. Um, yeah. But they consider these guys terrorists. And so the, they also think so. Hulk is basically helping out terrorists. And so they've called in the government, the U.S. government, and uh, Valerie Cooper brought in X Factor, as we learned uh, the last issue. So so X Factor does eventually show up, and we meet Farnak Don, Farnak Don, who is the, I don't know, prime minister, president, dictator, whatever, leader of this uh, this country. He's basically the bad guy, I'm thinking. He's a hundred percent the bad guy, and and this will deal with some interesting topics around you know culture and how women are perceived in, in certain uh, you know foreign countries, um, and so this guy's definitely a you know culturally a masochist, I guess. This is a this is a culture. I think it's a made up culture, but yes. it's probably based on a lot of cultures. But yeah, the it, women are very secondary. In this culture, it, um, and the people are generally oppressed, but uh, and there's only a handful of people that are standing up against that, and that's where the pantheon is kind of working with those people. Yeah, um, it it's feels a, a, a fascist regime, I think. It, so it feels a bit, a bit heavy-handed stereotype of maybe Indian culture. As perceived through the lens of 1991, 1992, wherever we're at. Yeah, uh, it, I think it's um, – I, I am not averse in politics. So I just mean like how they treat women because there's a subplot – oh, in, in X Factor that yeah. uh, Peter David also wrote that follows the, the same culture. It, it, it culturally reminded me now of um, Qatar. Is that the place oh. where – were held probably um that sort of thing where a lot of people were against it being there because the uh human the, rights violations and, yeah, yeah. The, i want to say the shah but i could be completely wrong about that i feel like that's mid yeah maybe i don't know yeah where the uh the, the recently that author or uh the the uh, journalist who spoke out against them was killed recently and they suspect that the 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 government was behind it, but the U.S. is supporting uh, that culture because they they are rich. Right. And it's a lot of, you know, we, we share a lot of important uh, goods and whatnot. Oil, I'm going to guess. It's all about oil. It's probably all about oil. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I butchered today's politics, but. Yeah, same here. We're going to get a lot of hate mail. No, I don't. I don't think any. I mean, maybe some of our listeners know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Uh, I wonder how many of our listeners are also into politics. <laughs> you, if you are and you know what I'm talking about, then send me a thumbs up. <laughs> and if Adam's completely wrong and you've got a different political hot take, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it it might not be a Shaw. I'm I'm not sure where Shaw why Shaw is coming into my mind, but. There, there is that the, the guy. He's the guy. Feels like Egypt, but that's still all that's. I, I don't know. This is where we get into trouble with geography yeah, we don't and politics. Really commit to anything because we don't know exactly. Um, but 
Like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know enough about it to really talk about I it. I think cool. I think the Shah is the leader of Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. Like United States Iowa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just redirecting. <laughs> Shouldn't it be Idaho? <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. Sure. We had a an a, a joke that we were going to say I do I don't know if you remember this, but we were going to say except in Idaho in all of our movies when we were teenagers. Oh yeah. I don't know why, just because Idaho is Idaho. Just because it was funny. Okay. Because uh, it was I don't know if it was funny or not, but it, we thought it was funny. And I don't why I don't know why except in Idaho. I guess the joke is that Idaho is kind of a backwater place. Yeah. Like we would be like, oh no, that's like, you know, I can't even think of an example because we only did it once. I think I, 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 it's, it's ringing a bell. Um, and I think that was going to be a standing thing that we were going to try to do. It makes no sense. Cause we didn't know anything about Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, living in Canton, New York, geez, talk about backwater. That, like, yeah, no, the joke is that Idaho is, is not as culturally advanced as wherever we were making our movies. Right. So. Right. <laughs> Well, anyways, um, it's weird the things that stick in your head as you get old. Yeah. So the so, oh. X Factor folks get introduced to Farnock Don, and I guess they get apprised of the situation. They got to go get the Hulk, basically. And immediately he's schmoozing with the ladies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in here later where he slaps Val Cooper's butt and says, "You've got some nice assets too." And he, she slaps him, mm-hmm. and he says, "How dare you slap me?" Uh, we see the leader of the or the, the the CIA liaison for the United States here. He was basically explaining the situation that the Hulk is involved. There's a little, there's a there's a funny scene where uh, Vel Coper says, "We can handle the Hulk," and Quicksilver says, "Absolutely, we'll use his stupidity against him." and the CIA guy says, actually, he's extremely smart and crafty now. And then Alex says, oh, right, I heard, but he's smaller, gray, and weaker than before. And the CIA guy says, actually, he's bigger, greener, and stronger than ever. It's kind of funny. And then Guido finishes it off by saying, ah, but we're pure of heart and so must always win. And the CIA guy's like, there you go. So that's the plan. They're the good guys. Hulk's a bad guy. Vel- or, uh, Lorna asks Guido if the Farnock is a orc and he says, nah, he's a stupid head. I don't know what a Might need to is. beat him senseless before we go. Yeah. Nobody's impressed with this Farnock guy. Yeah. He's clearly, he's clearly not a good guy. Even, uh, Jamie Madrox gets in on the action and says, I'll remind you in case she forgets. Yeah. So there's two people can remind Guido to beat some sense into Farnock Don. Uh, so Rick Jones is having questions about whether or not they're on the side of the good guys or the bad guys. And he's so he's like talking to people on the revolutionary side or the terrorist side, depending on which uh, vantage point you take. And then we cut. We're going to jump forward to where Hulk starts attacking the government. I think uh, it's the soldier. the design of. Hulk wielding giant guns and strapped with a bunch of bullets. I think it's pretty cool uh, imagery. Yeah, he never really uses them. I no. mean, I guess he he uses the gun, and it's like a uh, it's like a gas gun. Yeah, it's knockout gas. 
and uh, then a bunch of planes come and bomb their own men, and he's like, you idiots! I was just using knockout gas, and you slubs drop bombs on your own people and blow them to bits. Is this Rogue 2 and Rogue 3? Well, is this Luke and, and company? <laughs> no, uh, is this the uh, is this Farnox guys, or is this... Uh... Yeah, these are Farnox okay, guys. Okay, so, so far, the whatever country this is, ordered a, a bombing raid on this area, probably to get the Hulk, even though a bunch of their own soldiers are in place. Yeah. So he basically killed a bunch of men, and Hulk was even like... You dropped bombs and you blew your own people to bits, inferring that people have died here. And you think I'm a monster? Look in the mirror! He takes down some airplanes. He's about, he's riding an airplane. That's kind of a cool scene. Uh, and he crashes it down to the ground. But then he gets, he gets hit by a blast. And we find Just, out that. Well, because I was like, oh, this looks like a Havoc blast. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a Havoc blast. Havoc blasts him. Because and... he's in this issue. And I had sort of forgotten. And so he introduces them like, we're X-Factor. Um, it's time to surrender. Isn't there a line earlier where they talk about this this uh, freedom fighter group? And maybe this is an X-Factor, but I think it's in this issue where they say they they operate outside the law doing what they think is, is right to help people. And Alex says, you mean like the X-Men? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the the Pantheon uh, does that. Yeah, actually, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, I think it's earlier on this issue. It's when they're talking to the CIA guy. Yeah, that was and, a... uh, and uh, Lorna says, "Alex." Yeah. So yeah, apparently he's hooked up with a group called the Pantheon, a bunch of vigilantes who roam the world doing good as they see fit. And then Alex says, "You mean like the X Men?" And Lorna says, "Alex." So you know, we're, try- we're trying to make nice. Building the, the it's it's made very clear who's on the side of the good guys and who's not. Right. Even though in the page these people are still kind of struggling with who are the revolutionaries and who are the terrorists. Right. So continuing to build the idea that X Factor is a government sanctioned agency, but you know loosely affiliated with the X Men, uh, and the X Men still sort of operate outside of, I guess, the law. They do have X's on there. Uh, shirts. Hulk says, X-Factor, huh? The other guys know you cop their name? Even even Hulk knows about old X-Factor. Yeah, well, did old X-Factor encounter the X-Men? Lorna says something here. She's like, oh, the last time I talked to Jean, she said all she needed to use was his TK to blind him. Yeah. So she uses magnetics. But, I mean, we know that Hulk fought the X-Men, like, way back when, in the late 60s early 70s i can't remember if hulk and x factor ever tangled but doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter i mean hulk's a a a known entity in the marvel universe we know that hulk has at least fought wolverine on a few times so so he's probably been like yeah hulk pray now hulk and guido fight for a little bit hulk this is the kansas reference hulk basically punches uh Wolf Spain and says, it's back to Kansas. As for you, Toto, it's back to Kansas. And he tosses her. She goes flying. She goes flying into the next issue. Yeah, basically, which is kind of neat. It's nice that Peter David's got this all outlined and and has a plan for what he's going to do between Hulk and X-Factor. So I like that. Uh, Lorna wraps metal around Hulk's face so that he can't see. 
and then a whole bunch of uh, multiple men attack him. Um, and Guido jumps in, and now they're sort of watching on a big monitor, and the Farnuck is a, this is where we get the assets line and a and a pat on Val Cooper's butt. Yeah, and, and she slaps him, and he says, "You dare slap the Farnock of Sabel, you!" And and uh, the CIA guy steps in between and says, "Hey, hey, hey, we're all on the same side." It's not cool, Farnock. Not cool Should at all. Think she can get away with anything? Mm-hmm. Just just uh, more icing on the cake of his evilness. Yep. Then we get uh, uh, we... sort of a, a neat thing with Rick. He's he's dressed in freedom fighter uh, apparel, and he's with this soldier guy who's like, "We got to do this," and he's shooting. He's like, "Rick, why aren't you shooting?" And Rick's like, "I, I can't kill anybody," but then this guy gets shot, and Rick's like, he loses it, and he fires back. I don't and know if he is, kills anybody. This is a guy that he's he's gotten to know through the issue, and he mm-hmm. found that uh, Farnock had his father disappeared from this earth. Yeah, Rick, and his mother lay, uh, killed herself a few months or years later. Yeah, Rick has sort of been I don't know the Hulk's conscience through this issue, kind of like I don't know these guys been. I hear they're bad, but then, as you mentioned, he gets to know all these people. He, he gets to understand kind of what they're fighting for and some of the things that have been happening in the area. And he's coming around, but he's still, he's Rick Jones. Like, he's not a soldier. He doesn't want to kill people, but but then this happens. But I'm not sure if he actually kills anybody. I mean, we see him fire back, and the guy's like, Rick, did you get them? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, got them good. No, just lie still. And jerk, I think he dies. So I don't know if Rick did fire. I mean, he fires back, but I don't know if he kills anybody. I don't know if it matters either. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe next issue we'll, we'll see all his like bloodlust and he'll be like standing in a pile of blood. Like, <laughs> Just on top of a pile of bodies. <laughs> we did it, Shirk. We did it. Uh, Hulk is mostly able to swat off most of the X Factor that were attacking him. But then he starts weakening as he approaches Alex. And um, Alex says, the gamma rays, they're part of your ambient aura, are one of the components of cosmic rays, which I absorb. I'm powering up using the energy of your own body. Surrender, Dr. Banner. I mean it, or I'll blast you and in your weakened condition. You won't survive. Surrender. And Hulk says, drop dead. And then we cut away and we get a giant uh, Alex pulse wave panel that goes kraboom. Looks like a nuclear explosion. Uh, also, some dude named Ajax shows up. He's like a big dude in a set of armor that'll matter yeah, for next issue. He's in the next issue, yeah. But uh, it was kind of a neat plot device here because the whole time I'm reading this issue, I'm like, X Factor can't do anything against Hulk. And then this was a, a good plot device. The gamma radiation cosmic rays harkens back to something that they don't really talk about much but was introduced as alex power set is that he has to absorb sunlight radiation basically uh to to power up his his plasma blasts and they haven't really talked about that in the last i don't know five or six years of comics and here's peter david being like this is a thing and i'm gonna use it Typical comics, forgetting where they, where they came from. I just like this because it's not like, oh, by the way, I can do this. It's like yeah. maybe to somebody who's been reading comics for two years, they're like, wait, what's this? But if you know, you know, right? And so I like that. Peter David does his homework. 
Yeah, homework done. Well done, Peter David. You too, Larry David. <laughs> Pretty nice. So that takes us to the all-new, all-different X-Factor number 76. Got Wolf Bane, Wolf Bane on the cover with Larry Stroman uh, art, who is not inside. We have a uh, fill-in artist, Tom Rainey, who does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And Kevin West, I guess. So there's two artists and one inker. This kind of cleans up, not cleans up, but like, I think this is a, how shall I say it? I don't want to say it's a filler story. It's a good story, but it's basically just kind of what happens between the two Hulk issues. I'm going to bet that you don't need to read any of this to keep up with what's going on in Hulk. Yeah, probably not. Uh, it's because Hulk and Alex do not appear in this issue. Nope. And uh, it's it's mostly rain, but we do see some of the other X-Factor folks. Um, but in a nutshell, uh, rain is blasted off into another area. She crashes. A couple of people, a brother and a sister, save her or, or find her, basically. And, and she's spacing out. She actually thinks it's Richter. So that's another nice callback. Oh, Richter, where you been? been so long but you forgot about me and i think this is actually there just to set up the next issue but talk about that here in a moment so this brother and sister they take rain back to their their village or whatever and they tie her up which i think they reference they're going to uh we should be able to keep the creature prisoner until the fardock tells us what to do x-factor is basically fighting this ajax i don't really care about that plot line they're fighting a bunch of Pantheon goons, and yeah, Ajax is one of them. He's he's the dumb one. So this guy, like the strength. Yeah, I mean the story really is 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 a rain story with a little bit of X Factor stuff happening in the background. But this guy, the brother uh, Joe Jolel, he is the head of this household. His sister Sanda is is there, um, and he is a devout Farnuk supporter. And she's like, I, I am here to fight for your Farnock. I'm part of the team. And he's like, eh, I don't know about that. We'll, 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 we'll find out when the Farnock shows up. You'll stay here until he can be contacted. For all I know, you could be one of the beasts, the liberators who've turned our country into a battleground. Right. Then call your Farnock on the phone, you blasted fool. We get some more Farnock and Val Cooper, uh, Back and forth, it, it really seems that Farnuck is not getting the hint. She's like, Farnuck, I think we need to talk. And he's like, ooh, splendid. I could not agree more. Drink? Because he's got a he's got a uh, guy with some wine with him. We don't uh, see where that goes, I don't think. I assume we're going to see. I mean, this is just maybe a reminder of the, the um, cringeness of this guy. I'm sure it comes back in Hulk 392. Yeah, probably. But it's, I mean, again, it's a scene that probably doesn't Hulk. need to be in. We'll probably see Val Cooper and Farnuck talking in the pages of Hulk, and you won't have needed to read this to understand what's happening there, would be my guess. That's probably accurate. I agree. Uh, we get some fun multiple man stuff where he keeps dividing up and, uh, you know, usual multiple man stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, but he says, Ulysses, don't hit him with your sword. And he's like, you're too soft-hearted, Hector. But don't worry, I can. I see he's unarmed, so I'll power down my sword. And he splits multiple men into two parts. One of these days, Ulysses, you'll listen to me. And we get a uh, Lorna faces off against somebody with arrows. But uh, initially, the arrows have a mind of their own, and they're able to strike her. And it seems like Lorna's down. 
But then she later turns the tables on this person because there's a little bit of metal in the arrows. And then we see Wolverine, uh, Wolverine, uh, Quicksilver being followed by a Pantheon car. <laughs> there's a lot of vehicle. This issue feels a little incongruous with the last issue of Hulk. The issues of Hulk felt grounded in reality, whereas this, it it all just kind of looks like action figures because they've got weird armor, weird helmets, energy swords. Uh, and then now you've got this Cobra-looking vehicle that's bearing down on, on Quicksilver. So I don't... Well, that's... The, the Pantheon weren't really in the last issue of Hulk. I mean, this is what the Pantheon looked like. Okay, all right. So it's just the fact that the Pantheon weren't in the last two issues of Hulk that we covered, that we didn't see kind of their their sci-fi aspect of it. It was it was more grounded because yeah. we were dealing with revolutionaries and government soldiers and stuff like that. Quicksilver uh, is looking for... For rain, yeah. For rain, yeah. And we flip over to, to their... And uh, they're like, you Americans are all the same. And she's like, but I'm not even American. And he's like, ah, who cares? You're not from here. You're not one of us. Right. And, and we, we get back and forth between the two of them where they're talking about their different ideologies. And uh, the sister's basically serving. The, the sister's very subservient, right? She's serving the dude, Hallel, whatever his name is, wine. She says that she goes to church every weekend. And he's like, oh, church, that just shows how backwards you are because – like we don't we we worship our gods everywhere. We don't just worship them in a church. That's mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah, you have to go somewhere on a Sunday where your god is hiding. Our god is everywhere. We can worship him every day, anywhere we're at. It's an interesting sort of ideological debate. I'm surprised Peter David's really going this deep into it, but you know, it's it's fine. It's good. She says, Rain says, your you your beliefs are such that women are second rate citizens. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Jalel says, ha, your culture believes the same thing. We're just honest about it. You hypocrites claim equality, and yet American women still complain of unequal treatment. At least our women aren't complaining. <laughs> yeah, Peter David's making a statement here, and good for him. Rain says, they wouldn't dare complain, and that's the difference. Yeah. So, inter- interesting kind of ideology discussion. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. Quicksilver is still running around looking for Rain. Uh, Rain has been cutting away at the ropes with her claw. Now, she's in sort of her half-and-half form. A little earlier, she's like, I could just turn into my wolf uh, and I could just solve this problem, but more and more, I'm not in control of my wolf side. So I don't want to do that because I don't know what I'm going to do to these people if I turn into that wolf. Do you remember that? Because that was like, oh, this must be a thing that I was not paying attention to i feel so i feel like remember uh extinction agenda she was sort of mindless and she joined them i feel like that was rewritten retconned so that her wolf form was more mindless and the rest of her is fine like i think if she's human human she's fine if she's this half and half hybrid she's fine it's just if she turns into the wolf she's got less control that's and weird. I think it's sort of a a rewritten, reimagined um, outcome all- of extinction, uh, extinction agenda. Yeah, so it's weird because an extinction agenda, when she was a mutate, she was fully human. I, look, I think they're just <laughs> they're just making it up as they go. You know, it's just kind of it's just kind of odd. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is brand new for this issue, but it's definitely been lightly explored up until now. And then she, from Extinction Agenda, she first shows up in X-Factor, the all-new, all-different X-Factor. I think Alex just brings her like, hey, we're here. Has she really done anything since then? I mean, other than kind of be there and run around and join the team whenever the team does stuff? Uh, She flirted with Alex a little bit. She flirted with Alex a little bit. And she got mad at Lorna. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think. Well, I didn't see any precedent for this, but I mean, you know, it's comics, so it's not a surprise. I think Peter David is trying to figure out like, what am I going to do with this Wolfsbane? So I feel like she was, he was trying to make her more Wolverine unpredictable, wild. And I guess it's also setting up something that happens later in the issue. So maybe there's, yeah. maybe that's the sole purpose of it. I don't know. But anyway, she, she escapes, uh, she jumps out of the window, crashes onto the ground, breaking the chair. Quicksilver shows up, but one of these Cobra vehicles, I'm sorry, Pantheon vehicles, uh, <laughs> shows up. That's and essentially what the Pantheon are. They're like G.I. Joe. Shows up and squirts oil all over the floor, which is but kind like, of... Remember Battle Force 2000? Yeah, it was terrible. They're like Battle Force 2000. Uh, it squirts oil all over the ground, and, and uh, Quicksilver goes slipping, and he crashes into the Battle Force 2000 ship. It's kind of stupid. It's very stupid. Um, and then we fight, we go back to the fight with the action figures and X-Factor. With X-Factor and Battle Force 2000. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they fight, somebody throws, or Ajax throws a tank at Guido. Guido's fine because he absorbs kinetic energy and he can release it, release it back. So he punches Ajax, who goes flying. Uh, Ajax lands on Atlanta, who's he's in love with. And then he's like, oh no, I hurt Atlanta. I'm bad. And then he starts destroying his own team's tanks and just to escape. And he's like, I'm so bad. I hurt her. I got to help her. It feels like Ajax, maybe we just didn't get to know him earlier, but he's just getting dumber and dumber throughout the uh, issue. If you've read issues of Hulk, this is just how he is. Oh, he's, okay. He's very dumb. Okay. And he has a lot, a lot of strength. I mean, so is. And he loves Atlanta. Those are his character traits. <laughs> is the Pantheon good? <laughs> well, uh, that's the big question. Is like so Hulk is working with the Pantheon, and there's they're they're kind of mysterious, and they seem to have they they're, they're I I feel like it's going to turn out that they're not good. Okay, so I don't know that for a fact because I never when I read this back in the '90s, I don't think I made it to the point where they turn. Gotcha. So, so Peter David created a situation, right? You've got a kind of a dictatorial country with Farnock Don, and then you've got these terrorists slash freedom fighters, and there's shades of gray on both sides, right? You've got organization on, on the Farnock side, right? He's got a society, a government, and then in the Pantheon side, you've got people that are like, yep, my family's been disappearing. Yeah. So there is no good and evil here, really. There's just kind of like shades of gray that Peter David might be doing, or am I overcomplicating his storytelling? It's it's like the real world. Yeah. No, except uh, there's robots and and except sh- yeah, except there's Battle Force two thousand <laughs> and, and X Men. Lots of silver helmets. Yeah. Um. Anyways, the Battle Force two thousand oil squirter. I don't know. Starts a uh, super trooper. I never watched Super Trooper. Oh, he was a G.I. Joe guy. Oh, wasn't it a movie too? Or am I thinking of? It might be. It might be. Uh, oh, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of that that movie. Super Troopers. Something, something Troopers. Super Troopers. Yeah, it's Super Troopers. 
that's a good movie. You should watch it. Um, if you like that uh, style of comedy, those guys. It's like the Reno 911 guys. Okay, yeah. Was uh, Super Trooper... Is it the Reno 911 guys or is it the... It might be the... Uh, what was that MTV show that was on at the same time Kids in the Hall was on? Oh, God, I don't know. Com- comedy sketch show. Oh, no idea. Uh, I think it's that. There's some something llama is their their dude. They they also did the uh, beer fest. Have you ever seen beer fest? I saw beer fest and that was that was okay. They do that like uh, drunken lizard. I think is the name of their their group. Mm. But that's what Super Troopers is, and it and it all spins out of that MTV show that Reno Nine One One also spins out of the state. That's what it was. I knew if I talked about it long enough, I'd remember. Do you remember the state? Nope. Never watched it. Dang. That was a wild ride for very little payoff, Adam. Well, The State was a comedy show that introduced a lot of comedians that are still active today in various forms. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure quite a people, a lot of people of our age group know what I'm talking about. And anybody younger than us probably have no idea what I'm talking about. So unless um, you watched those Broken Lizard or whatever they're called. I Googled Super Trooper, G.I. Joe, and uh, yeah, that guy looks like all of these Pantheon guys. Exactly. That's what I was getting to. (laughs) Silver helmets, silver vest, silver gun. And he was, I think he was a figure that you, it was a mail order figure for sure. Oh. But he might have been a figure. He Okay, so there was, there's a couple of different figures. There's the guy that you got from the cereal box, G.I. Joe cereal. (laughs) I don't know who that is. That was Starduster. Oh, okay. And there was the guy that you you made up your own file card for, and it was essentially you. That one always made me angry because the file card didn't look like any of the other file cards. No, they cheaped out on the file card. It's like that's the it's the one thing you needed to get right. Like the action figure is super generic. It's got no face. It's got like a gun and a that's it. Well, it's, it's essentially like a GI Joe trooper. Yeah, but you got to make the file card exactly like the other file cards. It's true. But they didn't. I, I agree with you. But there's that guy. And then there was Super Trooper. And I don't remember what Super Trooper's deal was. Oh, I don't know. Wait, he was a mail order guy. I didn't. Wait. I think the. Oh, wait, I did. I got uh, the only mail order guy I got was Hooded Cobra Commander. Same here. He was the only mail in guy. Um, Specially marked figures released in 1988 came with tiny inserts with a mini comic describing Super Trooper and a certificate. The certificates could be collected and redeemed for a Super Trooper action figure. I still have my mini oh, comic. specially marked figures. So you'd have to buy all the figures that came with the inserts and probably okay. get like five of those to send in for a free Super Trooper. Okay. That'd be my guess anyways. I don't, I must have them because, no, wait, do I, ha- I think I have a Starduster comic book. So it's not even the same thing. I don't think I got the Super Trooper. Well, anyways, I did love mail orders, though. But yeah, these guys look like Super Trooper. All that for that. Yeah. So the sh- little vehicle is firing and, and uh, Quicksilver jumps back into action. The, the Pantheon ret- retreats. I don't think we oh. mentioned that. But yeah, Joel, Joel L or whatever his name is, he comes in and he's about to stab uh, Rain. But somebody off panel hits him with a wine bottle and it turns out to be his sister and he's I'm sorry, Jill, but i'm ending this yeah she's had enough she's 
She's tired of, of being a second class citizen. And now she's kind of seeing it personified by rain and that there is a different way and things could be better. And rain's like, and Oh, rain. And she, rain says, you didn't have to do that. I was almost free and your brother will be sorely angry. And then she says, he'll get over it. Meanwhile, the age we hear, a, ah, well, the we, rain turns her attention to Quicksilver, who's still being shot at by the oil ship. And then we hear the scream and we look back and it looks like Joel Lell got up right away and stabbed his sister and killed her. And he says, I didn't mean to. You got me so angry. You know how I get when you get me angry. And he turns and uh, rain has turned into her full wolf form. And as we know now, she has no control over herself. And well, she, no or little. Well, she jumps towards Jalel, drags him back into his house, and then we hear off panel, Arg! I didn't mean to kill her. I arg! Uh, Wolfsbane, or Wolfsbane. Quicksilver's like, oh, Rain, come along! Uh, Dead girl on the sidewalk. What happened in that house? That scream. And she's now not a wolf form. She's kind of her think half hybrid form and she's like we have to get out of here oh god pietro i'm going to burn i just know it forever and ever so issue it'll be interesting to see if peter david goes down the route of um rain was completely out of control or you know turning into her wolf's form allowed her to kind of follow through with the revenge i don't know but it all happened so fast. I wish this could have been a little bit slower paced, but uh, it's just, yeah, I like I like this story. It's very interesting, a little thought-provoking. But the thing that I was uh, calling back to where earlier in the issue she thinks Jolel is Richter is because the next issue is the Mutant Liberation Front. So I feel like that was a reminder that, hey, Richter exists. Oh. And I think that Richter, uh, Rusty, and Skids were all kidnapped or recruited by the Mutant Liberation Front. I thought I thought Richter stayed behind an extinction agenda because he wanted to work with Genotians. Was he kidnapped from there? <laughs> I don't Maybe you might be right. I'm completely speculating. Um, so we'll have to see. And, and Rain initially stayed behind because she wanted to stay with Richter. And also she didn't have her power. Like none of them had their powers temporarily or something. Sure. I forget. I forget how it ended because none of it matters. No. Because the next time we see Rain, she's totally fine. Just because I'm not going to remember, I'm going to look ahead. Eh, too much time. Richter may or may not be in the next issue. It's hard to tell with Larry Stroman or Tom Rainey's artwork. Is he in the next issue too? I don't know. I'm just buzzing through. I might be wrong about that whole Richter thing, but immediately when I was saw Richter's name on the page, I thought of Mutant Liberation Front. So that must have been just something I created in my mind. It's possible that he could have gotten kidnapped by the Mutant Liberation Front. Those guys are nefarious. So that takes us to Marvel Comics Presents number 88. We get our Sam Keith Wolverine story. Still digging it where Wolverine is still having a kind of nightmare slash flashback. He is in the fifties, but he's driving like a little, like a, he's driving a hot dog, a car that looks like a hot dog. Which is just funny. It's very funny. And he, and he's all mad because coach cyber is like, uh, got his girl, got his girl. And then he rolls up and punches Wolverine in the back of the head. And he's like, Hey, 
I hear you got a big car, but mine's bigger. And he's actually driving an Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile that says Blood's Sausage Machine, and it's huge. And so he drives off, and he's got the the babe in in the car, just smoking a cigarette, and he takes off. And he's now got a shirt that says Coach Cyber. Wolverine's got to drive and 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 race him basically. I'll show him. He thinks he can do anything he wants because he's a coach. He doesn't know he know who he's messing with. And then Cyber says the little hot dog is still after me. And in my mind, I'm thinking like that Peter David did not specify to Sam Keith that they would be driving hot dog cars. <laughs> and that he but he did write this line of dialogue. The little hot dog is still after me. And Sam Keith went, I'm going to give them hot dog cars. They're driving hot dog cars. So, yeah, maybe Peter David. I don't like, know if that's true or not, but that's just that's that's the way my imagination likes it. In his mind, he's envisioning that they're driving like 50s styled cars and not actual hot. I don't know. It's great. I love it. It's all very nice. Meanwhile, Tiger Tiger is eating little hot dogs, like yep. little, little uh, cocktail wieners for some reason, which is weird. Well, it's because of the transition. It right. just plays as a nice transition. And uh, apparently Cyber's got some hallucinogenic, I don't know, thing of Whatever a job. Whatever Marina's hallucinating with is the drug he's attempting to sell to Tiger Tiger. So Cyber f- scribbles something on a piece of paper, an amount that this is going to cost, makes it into an airplane. And airplane back and forth. Throws it to Tiger Tiger, who catches it. And she's like, huh, interesting. So she writes her counter offer on it, flies it back. And he's he says, like, I'm at a counter at a, I'd I'd be at a diner. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he gets the airplane. He looks at it and says, "Surely you jest." I'm serious, and don't call me Shirley. And says Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Yes. It's worth twice that just to keep it out of your uh, out of Coy's hands. And so he spits on the piece of paper and throws it out the window, and it smashes through the window. And Tiger Tiger rightly says, "That's impossible." The money? No, that spitball that just shattered a window. That's just my way of saying that you're involved with some serious spit. You're accustomed to that, after all. He was here recently. He? Wolverine. I smell him. You know him? Oh my, yes, we go back. I have such bad memories of him. I wonder if he remembers me. And, uh... We cut back to Wolverine's flashback, which I like that they're in separate cars, but they can hear each other. Mm-hmm. You're going to answer this. Uh, you're going to remember this, Cyber. You'll remember what happens when you steal my girl. You can't run. I have no intention of running in the big car. Turns around. Chicken, huh? I'm not backing off. Bet you weren't expecting that. Not expecting that. I was counting on it. And the two cars explode together. Boom. Janet is dead. <laughs> which is his girl. We got a zoom out panel of Wolverine holding Janet's dead body. And he says, Janet. And I feel like he should also be saying, no. (laughs) But then I think we're back in reality. He's like, oh, more hallucinations burning. Can't escape it. Uh, He rips all of his clothes off. Or maybe we're back in a hallucination. I'm not sure which. We're still in a hallucination. Because he suddenly has his costume and then now he's naked. I feel like where he's got his costume is real. Maybe. And where he's naked is probably back into a hallucination. But either way. Oh, yeah, because uh, Janet's on the ground Yeah, where he's naked. Yeah, he, oh, He's naked and uh, the, Janet's behind him and Cyber is approaching him. And then we get this wild big panel of Wolverine with his claws extended. Again, 
if I was uh, reading this back in 1991, 1992, whenever it came out, I'd be like, this is this is terrible. This is the worst artwork I've ever seen. Really? Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't like the hot dog cars? I I wouldn't I don't I didn't own this issue. I, I was done shortly after I was probably done with the first Sam Keith Wolverine. I was like, this doesn't this is bad. This is bad artwork. Um but no, I'm I'm very much into this. This is graduation day. I'm gonna graduate with an RHD that's doctor of blood types, and yours is the type of blood I want. It's terrible cheesy dialogue. And it's the 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 wild panel of him just makes up for any cheesy dialogue. I, I think it's cheesy on purpose. Yeah. Then we go over to the the beast story. Where Rob Liefeld has given up and is no longer drawing. <laughs> is he involved at all? I have no idea because my copy of this issue does not have the credits. Yeah, neither does mine. Um, yeah, we get a Star Wars quote here. Who's the foolish, the fool, or the fool who follows the fool? So he's asking that about himself and the professor, and he's in the danger room, and he's having kind of two dialogues of like, you know, are you sure it's wise to do this? He's being fit, chased by a missile, but it, really what he's talking about is the his girl, Jennifer Niles. The missile hits him, turns into paint. I don't know. And the professor makes the point that uh, I didn't erase Jennifer's memories of you to be cruel. Um, I did it because it was necessary. Um, I was protecting your friends and family because out in the wild, they will be taken advantage of. I hope you'll understand that someday. Fast forward to several years later. He's still not happy about this situation. Jennifer was just there, but I think got uh, kidnapped or grabbed by a bunch of super apes. Yep. Whatever they're called. They are called super apes. And he's hanging out with his, his French friend. He's kind of explaining what's happening. And now he speaks French, which did he speak French before? I thought their whole thing was that he was speaking English. Yeah, maybe he was just having fun. And now he's like, no, I'm actually, I can actually speak French. Okay. Maybe well, or... apparently this guy also is involved in this whole situation. So they're working together now. Yeah. I got a little confused here, but um, the dude, Ivan Kragoff, the red ghost, apparently is not in control of the super apes anymore. We learn that later, but I don't know. This kind of lost my focus as I was reading this, but that was my big takeaway is that Beast and, and this guy are going after the super apes and Jennifer and the Red Ghost is not in control. Somebody else is. Yes. So you got the gist of it. Uh, and there's some crazy. Me is when they sneak into the back of a car and I think, I guess they're hiding or, oh, or no. So they asked them to come in. Okay. So someone says the your presence is requested downtown. So they both get into a car and then when they get where they're going, they knock out the driver and then they start doing some investigating. And then the person who called them there, uh, who I don't know if we've met him before or if this was maybe this was the, the fellow that was off panel a couple of times who was like, oh, Beast is coming to here. We got to make sure he doesn't get involved in our nefarious plot or something like that. Uh, he's there and he's like, we've got advanced technology. I just wanted to introduce myself to you and uh, just remember we're awesome and you and I will just get along fine. And he says, I doubt it. I asked you here as a professional courtesy because of your status as an Avenger. 
Just remember that. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is a typical Marvel Comics presents um maybe penultimate or penultimate penultimate. I don't know. We're we're definitely entering part three, and I think the last part will be exciting, but I feel like we're in for this was whatever, and then the next chapter will probably be whatever, and then I think it's over. I just want to know if Rob Liefeld ever comes back. I doubt it. Um, did you doubt. read the Volcana story? I did. Yeah, and the only reason I read it is because Volcana and uh, the Secret Wars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of fun. Vol- Volcana is out shopping. She's she's sad because of you know she left Owen, her little Oe. And she reminisces about Dr. Doom and the Beyonder and all that sort of stuff. And she's just trying to get back to normal when the wizard shows up. And it's just a cute little story where he's trying to get some batteries for his suit. But Volcana's like, no, I got powers and I'm going to use them. And she kind of screws everything up by blowing up this uh, this electronics store. And she thinks she's saved the day. But then we learn later on that. Wizard basically just needed some batteries for his suit. He, she basically stops him from buying, from stealing batteries, so right. that he has to buy batteries. So then, he, instead of flying around in his suit, he puts on his his normal clothes, goes into a store, gives him money, gets batteries, and he's like, "Whoa, um, we will meet again, Volcano, when I am prepared for full scale war. Next time, I will carry spare batteries." Yeah, uh, it's just kind of a funny story of Volcano took things out of context. Trying her hand at being a superhero. Blew them out of proportion. Hilarious results. And uh, the wizard, is that his name? I think so. Really, like he wasn't doing evil things. He was just, well, I guess he was going to steal some batteries for his suit, which, you know, shoplifting. Qualify that as evil, but it's definitely illegal. But even Volcana, she looks around. She's like, well, I I probably stopped him from doing something. (laughs) And the whole store is just destroyed. Yeah. So anyways... I did not read the hollow story because I don't care. Uh, I did, but I'm not going to talk about it. What are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the first seven issues of Operation Galactic Storm. Oh, my God. Do I need to like go brew a pot of coffee and like settle in for this? Uh, no, I'll cover it fairly <laughs> quickly. Uh, I'll attempt to cover it in less than five minutes, oh hopefully less than two minutes. Uh I it's it's relevant and it might become more relevant as we get further into it uh, because it, it involves the Shi'ar Kree war. Okay. And, uh, I guess the Kree are uh, moving in and taking uh, planets on the borders of the the Kree, the Shi'ar nation. So the Shi'ar have to declare war. And at some point we even see Lalandra saying like, my advisors want me to go to war and I, I have my hands are tied. I don't really want to go to war, but I will. And then Deathbird shows up, and she's like, "I will support you in your efforts at war." And uh, so, so it's a full-on, you know, Shi'ar story. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Oracle and a couple of the other guys from X Men One Hundred Seven uh, that we kind of briefly got to know in the, one of those Dave Cockrum ridiculous panels. Yeah. Uh, and the Shi'ar and the Kree are both trying to get things uh, from Earth involving Captain Marvel. They're, they're trying to uh, – they're those secret weapons that Captain Marvel, who is dead now, uh, stored on Earth. So they're – that's how the Avengers are getting involved. 
um, the she I think is no the Kree steal Captain Marvel's Nega bands, which is uh, the little bands that he wears when he clinks them together. He would switch places with Rick Jones uh, back when he was alive. And there's a fun little uh, the the most fun of this was the Wonder Man issue where the Kree fights Wonder Man, and he keeps switching places with Rick Jones. Um, and preventing Wonder Man from hitting him. Is this the same Rick Jones from the Hulk we just read? It is. Oh, man. That guy. He's a busy guy. Rick Clearly. Jones, he has been, uh, he's been the, the partner of Captain Marvel. He was, I think he was a partner. He might have been a Bucky. Oh. Or, I don't know. He worked with Captain America. Maybe he wasn't a Bucky, but he definitely knows Captain America because he calls Captain America in this. Captain America's like, oh, it's good to hear from you, Rick Jones. It's been a great, it's been, it's been a long time. So I think they were like, he was like a partner at some point. Uh, so he's been around. He's obviously the Hulk partner. Mm-hmm. So he's just this regular guy with no powers who, uh, you know, gets involved in stuff. Uh, the other thing is that the Shi'ar are creating these wormholes that allows them to get into uh, Kree space. But that is affecting our sun. Uh, the Earth's sun. I shouldn't say our sun because I'm not in this issue. But uh, Peter Corbeau is there. No, oh. He's in a, a star core ship that gets pulled into the uh, sun and they get rescued by Thor and the Avengers. Uh, so it's good to see him. And then the Avengers split up and they're going to go into two teams. One's going to go to the Kree and one's going to go to the Shi'ar. And they're going to try to negotiate some sort of peace or at least get them to not involve earth or earth sun because uh the way that they're manipulating the wormholes is affecting the earth sun and it's going to be detrimental for the earth so avengers have to get involved and uh they the team that goes to the kree gets captured and the team that goes to the shiar uh thor ends up fighting gladiator so we see Gladiator, and then they, in order to stop Gladiator, who is more powerful than Thor currently is, uh, he sends Gladiator through a wormhole and then closes the wormhole. And now they're going to seek out Lilandra. And that's that's where the first seven parts end up. Wow. I think I covered everything and all the, all the cameos. And I know the Star Jammers are going to be in this at some point. Uh, Carol Danvers, I believe, shows up. So... It's sort of relevant. Some of it's fun. Like the the uh, the Wonder Man story was particularly fun. I, this all missed my my radar. Yeah, it was a thing that when we were kids was happening, and I don't know. It was it's such a big crossover that I didn't want to get invested in it because it was a bunch of comics that I wasn't reading. Right. So it it's basically be... everything we're not re- we weren't reading. Although, no, I had a few issues of Quasar, but I had been done by this time. It was like, yeah, Quasar, uh, Wonder Man, Thor, a... Iron Man, Avengers, Avengers West Coast, Captain America. I had some Wonder Man issues just because he had an issue one. I had issue one. I think that's the only one I bought. Probably. And uh, I would have been way gone by the time this came out. Well, um, interesting. Was this in in any way inspired by Operation Desert Storm? I think the name was, absolutely. (laughs) Just kidding. Of course it was. Well, um, let us us know 
Oedipus Oedipus know. Presumably the politics in X Factor. Oh, sure. Possibly. It had to be somewhat relevant to what was going on in Iraq. Maybe. Yeah. I think. Let us know your political hot takes. Uh, no, don't. Uh, but let us know what you think about comic books by visiting us at xmenpodcast.com, going over to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, xing us at danger room go, emailing us danger room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribed to podcasts to, I don't know, listen, subscribe, leave feedback, all that good stuff. And visit us at www.patreon.com slash danger room where we've got other stuff that doesn't hit the main channel. Did you see that in, oh, you don't have Marvel Unlimited anymore. I do, but I haven't been opening it. Uh, It will eventually expire. So... This might be worth checking out before it expires, but they put in all of House of X and Powers of X, but they reorganized it so that it's in chronological order. Oh, my God. So we get all of the lives of, spoilers, Moira McTaggart uh, in order. Interesting. It's kind of neat. I'm, I've, I'm about a third of the way through it. It's pretty, it's a lot, it's a lot to read. I might flip through that. I don't know that I could reread all of that stuff. It's 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 a neat idea, and I love stuff like that. Like I probably mentioned before that I downloaded and watched a chronological version of Lost, the TV series. Okay. That type of stuff is fun for me. I enjoy it. And so he, check it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That sounds like something to do. Adam, you got anything else? And if you do want to send us your political hot takes, I'll read them, but we probably won't air them on the show. Or maybe we will. Unless they're Unless they're, I don't know. Insightful. <laughs> Unless we completely agree with them. <laughs> Just yes. kidding. Uh, all right. Any anything else, Adam? No, that's it. All right. Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs>